the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Live MMA chat number three. UFC 249, seven fighters to survive the apocalypse with, stylistic matchups, and more. Strap it. Pushing through the market square. So many mothers sighing. News had just come over. We had five years left crying. News guy wept and told us Earth was really dying. Cried so much his face was wet. Then I knew he was not lying. I heard telephones, opera house. Melodies, song boys, toys, electric irons and TVs. A brain hurt like a warehouse, it had no room to spare. I had to cram so many things to store, everything in there, and all the facts Alright, what's going on everybody? We are live. As per usual, gonna be doing the typical 15 second to 30 second juggle as I tweet out the live link. And we'll get going with the topics uh, that I tweeted at Dan Tom MMA. Of course, Dan Tom, you can find my work over at MMAJunkie.com, the analyst there. Also the host of the Protecting Neck podcast, where these MMA, uh, these live MMA chats are essentially going to go to. Um, after I'm done here, you'll just get a kind of a slightly more produced version, but it'll be the same thing. This, of course, here on YouTube, where you can subscribe, ah, subscribe to my channel. Uh, you can actually participate live and get things going. We're having people pile into the chat. Thank you. As I get this tweet out, we'll be under Hui. Cool. All right. Powerful. Hopefully, you guys are holding up pretty well. Um, I was able to get somewhat of a workout, more of a light stretch and light body weight thing, if anything. Not too much, but... We're doing what we can. It's funny. I'm like seeing kettlebells that are sold out like everywhere. So hopefully like all you home gymmers, like your time is now. You're all thriving. Uh, so that, that's pretty cool. I'm more used to the social distancing side, <laughs> sadly. Um, so that's uh, that hasn't been too much of a problem. I've been pretty busy lately. I actually have some new uh, lights for the studio that, of course, aren't active here. But I'm going to have them up for next chat. Uh, as well as hopefully be shooting it off my phone. I just honestly I haven't had time to. Um, I've not had time to uh, essentially uh, sit down and work some things out. Uh, basically, just deciding what I'm going to use. Some of you reached out and offered help. I'll definitely be hitting you guys up if I do need that, and I appreciate it regardless. So thank you guys. All right, today we're going to be talking about Khabib's and pretty much Tony's too. Uh, he did an interview with Ariel Helwani over there at ESPN. Basically, like their statements on the status of UFC 249. Um, you guys already know my stance on the card and stance of many other people, just pretty much trying to be more logical about this. And even though we really would love it to happen, probably not, obviously, the smartest thing to have a fight event right now. Uh, so we'll talk about that and slash what I think the UFC's next card will be. I'm actually going to pitch a theory for what I think is going to happen um for whatever that's worth so we're going to cover that uh also uh plugged mmajunkie.com um plugged uh posted an article yeah today today this morning of this chat it came out seven fighters 
uh, to survive the apocalypse with. I'll briefly give those here. And if you didn't already comment on the article or get at me on Twitter at DanTomMMA, you can go ahead and plug anytime throughout this chat. I'll shout you out. Uh, go ahead and shoot the seven fighters uh, you would want on your you know apocalypse survival team, if you will. So feel free to do that. Um, throw whatever questions you want in there. No rules. The lunatics run the asylum on this show as as my podcast. So you all know how that goes. Um, going to give a sneak peek to some uh, projects that I've been thinking about, which may actually just turn into shouts for other people's projects, and I'll explain why when we get there. And... Um, and yeah, of course, our weekly focus. Uh, I, I don't blame people if they didn't quite get it. You know, Twitter only allows you so many characters, but I essentially put BJJ slash boxing or sorry, judo slash boxer versus BJJ slash Muay Thai. And we're going to essentially talk styles, styles, matchups, um, eras of MMA, where that style matchup in particular, that's going to be our weekly focus. And I'm going to give you guys, so I'm not rambling on of course i'll be limiting these chats in total for roughly a half hour i've been pretty good about that and i will be giving you some fights to watch regarding this focus topic so uh apologies if you're some dogs in the background we're all we're all dealing the best we can here um and like i said unfortunately i've been busy I, i'm almost envious of y'all who are like i'm bored during the self-quarantine time like i barely finished tiger king last night and it took me like like two or it's only like a week to finish an episode and a half, the last two episodes. So, um, so yeah, um, don't worry. I'm not going to be talking about Tiger King or giving you any spoilers. But that'll be our weekly focus. The Styles matchups going to give you guys some matchups to watch in regards to that. And our weekly recs are going to be quarantine recipes. Essentially, I'm going to give you some like really generic ass recipes that I grew up with and that I'm putting uh, putting back into a play, especially now. Um, and you guys can shoot yours uh, in the chat too if you want to shoot me some like cheap uh, recipes that uh, you know we're probably gonna have to be leaning on during this time. And then we'll get on out of here. All right. So essentially, starting with the top Khabib statement, um, it's pretty pretty darn rational when you go through and read it. Uh, Khabib essentially is talking about the bigger picture in regards to this epidemic as opposed to just a fight. Um, we all know he's a man of moral stance, and regardless if you agree with those moral stances or not. Uh, he has more of the luxury because of, you know, uh, as well as finances as well to um, to take that to take his, his his own version of the moral high ground. In this case, I, I, I got to agree with him. Uh, you know, he makes a lot of sense. He's very rational. Um, and I really appreciate that. You know, we we always talk about whether it comes to big things like fighter unions or things that maybe the upper management or brass are a bit more tone deaf on purposely or not uh, to we need the bigger names to kind of step up to the plate. And even if it's an unpopular opinion or an unpopular stance, um, they, they have to do that. So, um, so props to Khabib there. Now, obviously you guys know I'm a big, big Tony Ferguson, Mark, uh, you know, big fan of him, of him as a fighter. Um, but, but man, uh, yeah, you know, I, that doesn't mean I always agree with him though. You know, uh, he, uh, he had some, you know, what was it? The, the press conference or whatever. He had that media altercation with uh, my buddy, uh, Rodney James Edgar. Uh, shouts to Rodney, by the way. Uh, good dude. Uh, served served, served uh, this country, the United States, and uh, and works within the media space, right? He's also he's also uh, fought and whatnot. And, and um, he was just trying to give a basic softball. And coming from an experienced guy who loves Tony Ferguson and, and you know, maybe next to uh, shouts to Sean El Shadi, who does awesome work over there at The Athletic, 
uh, next to him. I, I, I think me and him are probably the loudest uh, supporters as far as Tony Ferguson goes. And I pitched him a softball too, too, totally unrelated to the mental health stuff, just like to his win over Kevin Lee at the time. And he totally took it the wrong way and just, I don't know what question he heard. That's that's just Tony. I don't take it personal. I'm still a fan of breaking you know his fights down. But again, that doesn't mean I have to agree with them. Uh, and even though I don't agree with them, something I talk about on this, you know, chats a lot, like just because I don't agree doesn't mean I don't understand. Do understand where he's coming from. You know, he, um, I forget who it was on Twitter. I think it was Chris Deep. He goes by, uh, shouts to him. I know he, he listens to this program, but he tweeted something just kind of, you know, uh, uh, essentially a reminder of, uh, who got to the title first and, then regardless of who pulled out and they exchanged pullouts or whatever, that sounds really terrible. They exchanged pullouts. This is not that kind of a show, folks. I promise you. Um, they, um, you know, they ended up fighting on the same card at UFC 229, I want to say, right? The Khabib fought Connor and Tony, of course, fought Anthony Pettis. And that was kind of just like a, a slap in the face, you know, um, to Tony, the uncrowned champ. So if he's bitter and wants to accuse someone of pulling out or being scared, he's he's the opposing fighter. Like, that's fine. I think the problem that, you know, I and many have is when the fans get a little, they're right to their opinions. I'm not trying to sway anybody from their opinions. I'm not trying to tell you who to like, who to dislike, but when the fans start going, Hey, this guy's scared and da 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 da. And it's, it just, it just sucks. It gives us, gives all us MMA fans a, a, a bad, a, a bad look uh, in that case. So um, it could be, I don't think he's scared folks. Um, I just think he's being pretty rational, you know, so um, we'll see what happens. I was a bit surprised that Tony seemed pretty open to fighting Gaethje slash another opponent. Don't get me wrong. That fight's awesome, but it's just crappy because we're going to see it and neither guy will be at their best. Tony on paper will be better than uh, prepared than Justin would be, I would guess. Uh, however, you know, I think I've said this before. I think um, Justin Gaethje and if if Poye were to beat Habib, uh, Poirier, although Poirier is still like on a top five list as far as most most dangerous matchups at lightweight for Tony. Uh, on the top of that list, in my opinion, is Justin Gaethje. I think it's, it's a bad matchup for Tony. You know, one of the only other guys that really uses that Gramby role, and uh, he's really hard to hold down or really even tie up in a front headlock. I know Eddie Alvarez was able to kind of at least get like kind of kind of a, a half-ass uh, plum or Irish collar. I don't mean the half-ass like a diss or anything. It's just they were tired. It was a third round, but it was enough to direct the knee that he was uh, – I think he was honing in on already in that UFC 218 fight. Awesome fight, Gaethje versus Alvarez there. Um, speaking of Eddie Alvarez, I wanted to do like uh, – you know, we always talk about team violence or everybody has their own version of team violence. Um I essentially was pondering around a series where I wanted to focus on these guys. Alvarez would be one of them. Another one would be Igor Vovchanchin. Um, You guys know I've been a big Igor guy, even back when I worked uh, for Flow Combat. And um, I did, um, which I'll be citing in our weekly focus when we talk about judo. I did kind of like a Cuban judo retrospective. Um, People seem to dig the, the kind of deep dives as far as people's backgrounds or, you know, fighter highlights or, or whatnot. And, uh, I got a lot of requests for Igor Vovchanchin and that's yes. Mark Andre. What's up? What's up? What's up, brother? My brother from Canada over there. And Ben, I'm here for Vovchanchin love. That's right. And, and, and you know where you can get some Vovchanchin love. Let me, let me redirect a shout out here. And, uh, uh, great minds think alike. Uh, but, but, uh, the fight site, uh, shout out to the fight site.com over there. You can follow them on Twitter. I think if you spell it out the same way, 
Um, but I think I believe one of the fine um, fine workers, uh, fine a- analysts there, did something on Igor. So um, uh, I haven't checked it out. I haven't had time. And to be honest, it's it's funny. Like I was even talking to shots to uh, my dude Aaron Bronstetter, who did a recent top five with me. Like I haven't I haven't been able to catch up on whether you know anyone's content, even people that I normally uh, am really up to date on. It, it's it's been kind of crazy. Uh, that and also I try to stay awake because I don't want to. I don't want certain ideas to bleed. Like, for example, the Seven Fighters Apocalypse article. Um, shouts to my, my dude Benny Abs over there. I was actually originally going to set out to do just like a, a fighters to self-quarantine with. And I've started writing it. And I'm like, dude, like this article has to have been written already. And I was late with all the chaos happening in my own life. So I was, I was already behind. So like, let me Google it. And uh, shouts to my dude Benny Abs over there. Uh, I believe it fan-sided. Uh, where he has that article. See, I'm just giving shouts all over the place. I'm like Oprah. I, like, I got like a, a cheese grater. I'm just, I'm just dishing them out. Like you know, I'm at, I'm at a strip club over here. Jeez, Dan, what is that reference? I don't know. Forget it. Uh, but, but yeah, um, but yeah, Igor Vovchanchin is someone I would would be on my all violence team. And uh, I already just shouted. Uh, oh, and then shoot, uh, I wrote Benny the Jet Arquides. Uh, I saw someone doing some Benny the Jet thing. I was just like scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, geez, I really got to get on these ideas. Otherwise, they're going to get sucked up. But I essentially want to do, I don't know if it's going to be a watch along, an article, a podcast or what, but I want to break down one of my favorite fights of all time that got me into martial arts, which was, I believe, I saw a replay when I was a kid because I think this fight's like in 78 or 1980, but it was uh, Benny the Jet Arquitas in Japan and he fought Eddie Aikau. And it's just an awesome fight. It is awesome. Uh, it's, you know, Benny the Jet, he's got the kickboxing pants and the gloves and uh, ben, there's Benny Abs. All right. I didn't know that. I didn't know the last name. See, I, I, I'm, I'm so used to everybody. Everybody's Twitter's Twitter personas. But, but and I apologize if I uh, if I mispronounce your last name there, Benny, but shouts. Um, and um, but yeah, like uh, Benny the Jet, uh, he had like, you know, the kickboxing pants on and Eddie Aikau. I mean, this guy was just like a, a hard, a hardened Japanese boxer. And uh, there's some awesome left hooks. There's some spin kicks. Like you get a little bit of everything. It's a fight that actually ages really well, even by today's standards. So um, I'm going to be throwing something at you guys there. So, all right, we covered Khabib's statement, covered this, eh, the seven uh, fighter apocalypse article. You guys can go check that on your own or shoot yours in the chat. Uh, as far as UFC 249, I already gave my thoughts on that and thoughts on why I, I feel that it's just kind of irresponsible and doesn't make sense to throw a fight card as much as, I would love to see the UFC back to doing what they do best and to doing, you know, more of my job and having more job security. And believe me, folks, like I'm, I'm all about that, but the world we live in is, is changing and we gotta, we gotta stay up to date as best we can. But here's my theory as far as the next card, what I think they're going to do. We've already heard Dana White essentially talk about waiting for the UFC apex to reopen the Nevada state commission. Of course, they were supposed to have their meeting or readjourn of their meeting on the 25th, that got pushed back due to coronavirus concerns, um, ironically, which is that's what the meeting was about. So as soon as they get that settled here, I think the apex is going to be back up. And we heard Dana White um, essentially talk about, uh, you know, pairing up these cards and maybe doing them all one week. You guys remember when we were at the peak, when UFC was really just polishing off their product to make that WME sale. And we were seeing the double fight cards, the double time zone cards. And even at certain points, like a triple fight card, we had that super summer stretch. I think they're going to essentially do that with probably three fight cards um, to start, at least just for one week. I, I couldn't see them overloading more and kind of just getting every, or maybe they do overload more and then just getting it there. I mean, we're hearing reports of the NBA 
talking about using Las Vegas for a similar thing, kind of getting all their fighters in there and incubated in the same, testing them, uh, weeding out, you know, you know, hopefully they'll have triages and, and all the uh, medical staff, all the things they need, places to put uh, these people if they do come up. But essentially running an in-house, I guess pre-taped, again, I don't know the details, but you get the picture. They're bringing everybody into one place and they're going to load up and try to protect and roll out product as best they can under these circumstances. Now, once we get to a place where that's deemed legal, safe by the CDC, all that stuff, I'm cool with that. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, much less my own. Again, selfishly, I'm with that, folks. So what I think is that the UFC is going to be doing that over the apex and if you guys can, and honestly, you know, I'm not going to get into the plugs and things you can do to support it because the easiest thing you can do to support outside of subscribe or the five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes is just sharing the program. Um, so yeah, all right, we are 15 minutes in and all right. That's my theory for that. Um, I don't think I actually listed my seven fighters for the apocalypse. Essentially I went with um, Frank Mir uh, for, for weapons. Cause he's, he's a weapons freak. Uh, I know I got a lot of Tim Kennedy's, but like, I felt like it was almost easy to pick Tim Kennedy because he actually goes around and teaches survival like skill courses, how to have your own weapons pack, uh, you know, whether it's in the back of your vehicle or to prepping your home. Uh, so he kind of already does. I feel like it would have been cheating for to do uh, to, to do Tim Kennedy. Uh, Marty McFlay, how's, how's it? Brada Tom, Dan Tom, what's up, Marty? Marty. And um, probably Martin Stabilo, I'm guessing, from Hawaii. That's going to be my guess for that. See, it's like a guessing game. But uh, so I chose Frank for that because like kind of like I don't know if it was Brendan Schaub or Joe Rogan, like Frank Muir could fall down a flight of stairs and it would just set off like a firework of gun shows. So, you know, that's kind of a guy you want on your team. But like I said, you got to be able to hunt and use those weapons. Now, this guy's more of a bow guy than a gun guy. But again, shout to my dude Benny Abs there for his article. I believe uh, I believe he uh, he he uh, had Jim Miller. Uh, Jim Miller is one of his people on there. So I didn't want to steal that. Um, although y'all know I'm a big Jim Miller fan. So the, so Jim Miller probably would have made the team, but I'm a big Corey overtime Anderson fan. So, you know, I know you don't want, you know, the work ethic could be a bit of a turnoff, but you know, um, I, I, you know, you just set Corey with his, you know, his, his dog and his big red truck. He's going to get you some, some food in return. Uh, I think I had, uh, uh, of course there's going to be some bias in there. So like I had like Emily Whitmire, but then again, you know, she can like, you know, uh, brew her own kombucha and like ride horses and go out into the wilderness and make sense of that stuff. So it's like you want someone like that on your team. Right. Or Julian Marquez, who um, uh, I, I've worked with before. He's, he's a really quality dude. And uh, so I, I threw him on there. Some other people, uh, you know, Charles Rosa. And uh, he. And he says, Jim Miller with the hunting. And oh, my goodness, my screen is uh, terrible. There we go. Jim Miller with the hunting and grilling is necessary. Yeah, like Jim Miller's Instagram. You guys know when I break down fights on the Protect Your Neck podcast, I tend to go to fighters' social medias too. I like to see what they're eating and I'm like, well, you know, see if they're eating healthy. And then I go to Jim Miller's and I just get hungry. He's just like beer basted, cooked in duck fat, like just like crazy. Like I'm like, God damn, Jim. And it's all stuff like he catches and cooks himself. So like you really can't hate on it. And uh, as you can tell, you, you do appreciate some food here. No secret there. Uh, <laughs> yep. Marty McFly also says Tim Kennedy, easy pick. It's a great, it's, you know, I'm not hating a Tim Kennedy pick. Uh, just, it just, it felt too easy. The guy had some GSP and Brian stand, but go read the article. There's a lot of little Easter egg stuff, a lot of links and uh, little videos I did inserted, um, in there. Appreciate y'all supporting 
who support the media or support articles uh, that you like during this time. Like I always said, vote with your dollars. There's always that argument. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, the media just wants to talk about Connor where the media and I'm part of it. And I've seen the analytics. Well, y'all are clicking on those stories and there's this weird, the truth is in between. Right. Uh, but the point is we could argue about that point all day. The overarching, I feel point is vote with your dollars, click on what you like. And in this current COVID-19 kind of a time we're in, it feels like the one like evergreen meme is the Spider-Man pointing at each other, like blame the media, blame this political leader, you know, Trump or, you know, whatever. Like it's, it, it's it, that, that seems to be the evergreen thing, but um, boy, Dan, where the hell were you going with that? I am definitely not trying to get political here, folks. I guess I'm just, uh, that's a, over. That's me. Yep, that is me. Okay, I got that right on Martin Savillo. Uh, now, definitely not trying to be political here, folks. Just uh, saying, instead of playing the uh, the blame game, um, I forget what I was going to say. Don't get punched in the head. That's a good one, too. Uh, co-host slash mystery science theater talk. Yeah, um, I've been doing co-host, guest co-host for the top five shows. I got uh, Simon Head coming on. We're going to be doing um, this, Justin. We're going to be doing top five light heavyweight fights. So I, I don't officially post it the day before we record, but just a heads up for you guys. That's the topic we're going to be covering. Those are great. I'm going to keep doing those and mailing those out. But um, I do want to do like, you know, uh, watch alongs, but I, I'm just not sure the angle I want to do. I know people are picking like fun cards. And when you do that, that's great. But I notice everybody tends to kind of pick the same same cards, which is great. I'm not hating. There's a lot of great cards to pick from. That's the great thing about our sport. But like I've, I've said before, I kind of want to do something more because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a com completist. Uh, not so far as going to Pancrase, but doing Pride as well as UFC and going from start to finish and doing a series there. Uh, but, you know, finding a good co-host or co-host for that it is difficult. And even though I didn't want to do it through Skype, we're in the era that this is kind of what we're going to have to work with. So I do want to launch those. Um, and that will be, uh, I'm sure, free as well as all the all the content. Sorry, weekly focus, judo boxer versus BJJ Muay Thai. Uh, Ten minutes left before we're done here. Basically, like it, it, there was a lot of styles back in the day. And I believe Strike Force did this and some other places, Elite XC, I'm pretty sure did this where they would do styles and they would let you pick something. Sometimes the guy would just have freestyle. Remember that folks, or they would have wrestling and boxing. And speaking of wrestling and boxing, that's why I thought of this focus is because we talked about five lightweight fights worth revisiting. One of mine was Tetsuya Kawajiri versus Eddie Alvarez. Now they were kind of two different type of iteration of wrestle boxers for what their region had to offer, right? We had Eddie Alvarez, American wrestling, East coast boxing, whereas Tetsuya Kawajiri, Japanese wrestling slash a more judo style of things uh, as far as that base and that heavy base, of course, relied to heavy hands and Tetsuika Ujiri. Granted, he went through wrestling, heavy wrestling stretches. He People that followed his career from start to finish, he's not afraid to throw his hands when he needed to. Um, so that the, those were just kind of great. Um, wrestle boxers always make for fun fights. And, and that kind of goes through different eras and iterations. Uh, however, especially when like, you know, organizations like the WEC around or around, which are going to be two samples I'm going to give you here. Now, probably won't surprise you if you are a normal listener of the Protecting Neck podcast, but um, judo boxers like for uh, versus BJJ Muay Thai. So someone that would be BJJ Muay Thai, for example, 
uh, would have been Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit, right? He did the art of eight limbs, elbows, knees, kicks, punches. But when he went to the ground, as he would surprise people, what was it? What was it that tournament? Uh, was it the Rumble in the Rocks where he caught Frank Trigg with the triangle? That's kind of like where Carlos Condit really started, you know, uh, his name started popping on the scene. That's where I know I started tracking him uh, from that time on once he hit the WEC scene. He got the welterweight title. Um the pound for pound rankings in the WEC. He was a bantamweight um, in a time where bantamweights weren't getting the love. It certainly, you know, it wasn't um, as vocally stacked or not vocally stacked. It wasn't as, as popular, popularized. It was, it was arguably stacked for at the time it was, I mean, you know, granted, you know, you might look back now and you might not be like, who's this Antonio Benuelos guy? Like, okay, I get it. But like, it was still a fun bantamweight division is what I'm trying to say. Just wasn't as popular as today's bantamweight division, which is stacked. Um, with a bunch of heavy hitters, and it's a good time, right? Uh, but, but Miguel Angel Torres, you know, he he, he was another guy uh, that had, you know, really good jiu-jitsu on the ground but used a lot of Muay Thai. Now, there, the reason why that's not a coincidence is because if you were a Muay Thai guy, again, we had some you know white dude from Albuquerque and a Mexican dude from Chicago. Like, you know, those aren't any kind of stereotypes as far as, like, dudes who grew up in Thailand or this or that. They probably gravitated toward Muay Thai for striking because Muay Thai, A, it's awesome. But these are pretty creative cats. They like that leg dexterity. That's what comes natural to them. So if they gravitated toward Muay Thai, they're going to probably have a bit of leg dexterity, like I just said. So as far as grappling goes, are they going to be more wrestlers? Hmm, probably not, right? Uh, in fact, if you're kicking, you're probably going to be taking down more than being the one who can be uh, doing the takedowns, hence why you hear like old school commentary, Rogan, so forth, going, it's okay, he kicks a lot because he's got a great guard, Mike, so it's okay that he kicks a lot. Like these things were pretty congruent or they they, 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 worked, they were pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They were pretty symbiotic, these styles, right? They, they, they worked they worked and played well off of each other and were probably connected to inherently who the fighters were by nature. Whereas judo boxer is not too far off the variation of a wrestle boxer, right? You are aware of your base. So you're probably not going to be throwing a lot of spinning stuff. Although Kawajiri is not beyond throwing spinning back fists. Uh, not what I'm saying, but just in general, right? You're going to be more of a planet style and whether you're shooting or whether you're ready for people to shoot uh, reverse, hip toss them, whatever you, you know, whatever your weapon of choice was there uh, as a judo player going into MMA, you were going to be very aware of your base. So naturally you were going to be already sitting into your punches and your punches were going to be more available from a leverage standpoint. You would be uprooting away from your base and uprooting away from your preferred leverage if you were to kick. So it's not like these people could not kick. They could. Uh, even Eddie Alvarez, you'll see him be th you know you, you'll see him throw a decent amount of leg kicks against Kawajiri early on in his career, but uh, it, you know again these styles are kind of symbiotic with one another. And what I love about the judo boxer versus the BJJ versus Muay Thai again, we're tying this together here for our weekly focus, is when they got together, it just made a special type of matchup. You know, judo and jujitsu, I mean, has a long-standing rivalry and rooting from all the way going back from Japan and, you know, the samurai days when they were deciding what type of, uh, you know, uh, what type of martial arts dif uh, disciplines, which of course the samurai drew from a couple different ones. Right. Um, but of course, jujitsu spawned from judo and it became, you know, into Brazilian jujitsu, not until this guy named Mitsuya Maeda 
made it over to Brazil. However, before Mitsuo Maeda made it over to Brazil, he actually stopped over in places like Cuba. Again, back to that flow article I referenced going deep into like Cuban judo, we see guys like Hector Lombard again. What does Hector Lombard do? Can he kick? Sure. He's got those mean shin pads tattooed on his shins, but really he was a boxer, but he could grapple too because he was more, you know, uh, of a, a Nawaza. There's three, you know, uh, there's three subsections of judo. Nawaza is the ground fighting portion, which became less popularized as judo became more of a sport. You only have a couple, uh, a couple seconds to uh, attack, which is why Rousey was such a quick attack artist with the armbar because in judo, you, you only have so long. As far as traditional and different styles of judo, like what came over through Cuba, through Mitsuo Maeda, another Japanese gentleman, which I don't have the name of, I apologize, who spent a lot of time there in the early 1900s. 1900s. Um, they have more of a grappling savvy style. So you'll see some judo guys, especially in MMA, they're trying to keep it off the ground. Whereas guys like Lombard, he could swim with the sharks, right? I mean, he was one of the sharks. Um Sorry, on the live chat here, Ben. Always thought the athleticism of judo translated really well to punching power. Yep, I, I completely second second that. That's a much more more uh, simpler and more effective way than my rambling ass just put it. But I completely agree, Ben. Hey, he also says hard to think of a judo guy that was never that was ever a soft puncher. I mean, yeah, I mean, what are what's another basic commentary? And I don't mean basic commentary like knocking it at all because these are true facts um but what do they all say about the judo guys uh even rogan who like usually can't get away from dude's thighs and calves he's like look at the back look at akiyama's back look at, look at lombard's back because it's true it's exactly what rogan says it's years and years of manipulating bodies and that translates to strengths in other ways so you have the judo and bjj dynamic and how that battles right interesting what's even more interesting is the boxing versus muay thai because again even separate from the theme we can just we can really slice this theme and we can take piece a to piece b and really just have examples i mean this is again really weird the way i put it on twitter because i can't really explain it but this is a really ripe uh topic because boxing versus muay thai alone makes for um, an exciting matchup that we've seen played out back and forth in mma right nate diaz versus donald cerrone we saw that yes on paper, well, Muay Thai should win. It's more weapons. It's the art of eight limbs versus boxing. And not only that, if you want to get technical boxing, yes, it's the sweet science you can slip, but you can keep those slips in line with high head kicks to kind of dissuade head movement as Pat Militic uh, would teach back in the day um, and, and or, or stress to fighters. Um, you know, so you're like, okay, Muay Thai should win. But we saw Nate Diaz use straight lines, boxing fundamentals, and just spamming down that center line, uh, you know, through the Muay Thai guard, through the Muay Thai offensive arsenal. But we've also seen, by the same token of a Cowboy Cerrone, again, to another excellent boxer in MMA, uh, Eddie Alvarez, we've seen what the leg kicks can do, where the boxer maybe can get off to that good start, but if he can't keep it going, if he can't keep that rhythm going like a Nate Diaz can, um, we will see that leg kicks uh, be extra vulnerable for, again, a very common thing noted in commentary, but it is correct. Most people throw a lot of uh, heavy weight on that front leg when they're boxing. Depends. Not everybody. I mean, you know, I'm, I was taught by some instructors to really, depending on what your power side is, uh, for me, is a southpaw, so I'm sitting back into my left hip and was taught to try to keep that, that weight down onto that hip, shooting down through the foot, light on the balls of your toes. Um, Everybody's got kind of different styles on that, but MMA, you, you do have to be lower to the ground. So, again, it dissects a lot of different ways, but when you really see the judo boxer versus BJJ Muay Thai, I'll leave you guys with this and we'll get out of here. Um, 
which is uh, the two WEC fights, pretty much a uh, Hiro Mitsumira versus Carlos Condit. It's an excellent title fight on WEC. Carlos Condit's defending his title. Um, and we really see just all these, you know, all, all the iterations from the grappling, the takedowns and tosses, you know, uh, we see the boxer, you know, kind of overwhelmed the Muay Thai guy come back. So the boxer, the judo boxer is like, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed on the feet. Let's go to my judo in the clinch. I could punch in the clinch. But then the Muay Thai guy starts throwing knees in the clinch. So then the, the judo guy has to adjust yet again and does a big takedown. But now he's in the jujitsu guy's world. And you see how these styles play off each other in a left to right, a back and forth kind of way uh one of my other favorite fights as well as miguel torton ones but he, he he lost the majority of those and and this was kind of the, the high point of him and you know again miguel torres he didn't have much 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 time left on the top if you look at his career uh, trajectory as well but go to fight pass and look at that one again it's just an awesome fight you're seeing the judo versus jujitsu you're seeing the muay thai versus the boxing it's freaking amazing weekly rex quarantine recipes um i'm gonna leave you guys with two uh canned tuna it's great protein uh, tuna is really healthy for you. It's got the essential fats and all that stuff. Um, whether you're, you know, e eating the uh, cheaper stuff that I grew up on Star Kiss or you get the uh, more expensive stuff from the old Whole Foods or whatever, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of how you dress it up. I'm not an onion guy. I'm not a relish guy. So if you're looking for that kind of tuna recipe, you came to the wrong place. I am the mayonnaise guy, and I know it's going to make half of you go, ugh, and the other half of you go, that's awesome, but I'm not going to admit it out loud because I don't want to seem like a pig. That's fine. You don't have to use uh, mayonnaise. In fact, a great uh, alternative is veganaise. I know tuna is not vegan. However, veganaise actually does a really good job as far as if you're a mayonnaise fan, you want a healthy alternative. Um, but I'll do the veganaise with the grapeseed oil. You're not getting just more nutrition over there. Grapeseed oil has some important stuff that's hard to get. But um, it really doesn't really interfere with the, the flavor profile. As far as greens, I will do. I throw about a handful of parsley in the smoothies every morning. Uh if I have the parsley, it's a little harder to come by, but I will use the, some of that same parsley and I will chop some of that parsley up um, with some spinach into the tuna. And again, parsley spinach can go into the smoothie. Uh, spaghetti sauce is another cheap spaghetti. I'm sure we're eating a lot of spaghetti, right? How do you kind of, uh, you know, up the nutrients uh, of something really basic? Um, go, cut, cut some fresh parsley and spinach in there. I know uh, an unhealthy looking dude who am I to give nutrition? I'm just saying, just saying, Cheap stuff to kind of get a little bit of uh, tuna with Miracle with Billy 24-7. It was a staple back in the UK. You know what's up, Billy. I, I was never a Miracle Whip fan, but there's no judgment here. Lunatics run the asylum, and there's no judgment here. Um, and, again, this will make it go a little faster, but it makes it a little healthier. If you got some avocados to get rid of, just chop some avocados in there. And you can, you know, whether it's like, you know, you dip like a healthy, like gluten-free crackers, make a sandwich, make a gluten-free sandwich. Or just eat it straight out of the bowl. You know, you just have kind of a, a tuna there you can use for different things. Um, another one I'm going to bring back because I just uh, was, I got some uh, ground beef from a stepdad and I don't know where he got it from. It looks sketchy as crap, but the only thing it's good for is SOS, uh, which stands for shit on a shingle. And you all know what SOS is there for you. Feel free to hit me in the chat. Um, I was told from my grandfather, that's what they served him in the military. Uh, rest in peace. My grandfather passed earlier this week. Um, but like, anyways, essentially it's like ground beef, cream of mushroom, uh, soup in a can, and you mix that together and you put it on toast and that's it. You just, you cook ground beef and cream of mushroom soup, you mix it together and you put it on toast and they call it shit on the shingle because well, what it looks like. And a shingle is in a roof shingle, which I guess 
is what their analogy is for the toast. So it's a cheap food and cheap times. Um, I'm probably going to try to do a healthier toast. I'm probably going to try to just chop some spinach in there so I, I feel less bad about it. But some cheap things. I know it's terrible, but uh, chipped beef on toast, Billy247 says. Uh, Marty McFly, you guys, I'm hoping things are going to get better. I'm an optimist here, folks. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but uh, just enjoy what you enjoy the pleasantries you got and uh, look out for each other. Make sure you uh, subscribe uh, to the channel or follow the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, the Protect Your Neck podcast. I have links to all that if it makes it easier at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter, where you can find the website that hosts all this, including the podcast, MitchMarshallAnalyst.com. For your click through amazon links on it links i know we're all using those at this time you click through doesn't uh, cost you anything just takes a small percentage of your sale uh kicks back to this here uh, shit show and we can uh, we can continue to keep these going keep entertainment rolling i hope you guys enjoy the top fives more top fives coming your way next week more content on this channel and more thank y'all and until next time protect your